0: Ooh, another, another constitution question. You do love a constitution question, don't you? So, question, Matthew. Should the House of Lords be abolished? Well, no, I don't think it should be abolished. But I think it is definitely ripe for reform. So, I think this question has probably been prompted because of, of what Labour has announced this week. So, this is Gordon Brown, did a um, former Prime Minister... Published a report and it was launched by Keir Starmer earlier this week, the Labour leader, as you know. So it's proposing that if Labour wins the next election, they're considering abolishing the House of Lords and replacing it with a, an upper house of what's called nations and regions. And it's part of a will be part of a wider set of new powers to lo, giving new powers to local regions and the devolved nations. So it's all part of a devolution, really. But of course, the headline, the headline thing was. Uh, issue was Labour to abolish the House of Lords uh, if it wins the next election. Um, and I think, I mean, the Lords, it's, it's certainly a weird old institution and been around incredibly since the 14th century. And it uh, performs, I think it performs, you know, it, well, I think it's, it performs a really important role. It scrutinises uh, the bills that have been approved by the House of Commons. And it can't prevent those laws uh, those bills being uh, passed into law, but it can delay and force the Commons to reconsider their decisions. so it acts as a a check on the on the more powerful House of Commons and it's it's independent of the electoral process um and it you know it, it can defeat it can defeat the Commons or the government so in the past two parliamentary sessions the past couple of years, it has defeated the government two hundred and forty two times. So bills had to go back to the Commons and, and for, it forces the government then to reconsider what they're proposing. So it persuades government to make changes in policy. And one actually that's particularly close to my heart, as you know, there's one where forced the Commons or well, the government to reconsider uh, that children with special educational needs are afforded the same legal protection in in academies, for example, as in other main, mainstream schools. So there's a very specific one there that has been very close, close to my heart. So it forces... It does force the government to think to think again. Think: Have you got this right? Is this because it looks at, looks at these bills line by line and scrutinises them in a very sort of diligent way? It's it really seeks to improve legislation, so not not overturn it, but to really improve it. And it is independent. Is it is an independent part of the electoral process? So while the House of Commons has got a defined number of members, so six hundred and fifty MPs. The weird thing is, the number of members in the House of Lords, it's not fixed. So currently there are 787 sitting members of the House of Lords. There aren't enough seats in the chamber for them to all be in there at the same time. And here's a, here's a, here's a great fact. I love this fact. So the House of Lords is the only upper house of any parliament in the world to be larger than the lower house. And it's the second largest legislative, I can never say that word, legislative chamber in the world behind the Chinese uh, National People's Congress. So it's huge. And it is controversial. People, uh, members of the House of Lords are appointed and it's always sort of subject to sort of cronyism, really. You know, you get appointments are made by prime ministers, obviously, to to repay favours for things they've done, to, to, to support them. So, for example, Johnson... Boris Johnson appointed eighty members to the House of Lords. Well, I think it was actually eighty-six members to the House of Lords while he was Prime Minister. And there's more to come. He's got this resignation list coming, sort of controversially, and you know, eighty-six people to the House of Lords while he was in in his tenure as Prime Minister. Um, And the current makeup of the House of Lords, which made up of uh, people are are conservative. What? Conservative members or Labour members or members of political parties and we have what's called crossbenchers where they're they're an independence where they're not affiliated to any particular party but also religious leaders too so members of the uh, the Church of England there so which is kind of crazy really given that we live in a a multi-faith society and they get paid too well kind of Of, of, although they're they're members by appointment, they have no an, but they have no annual salary. But they do receive tax-free daily allowances and expenses. So there is money to be made here. And although Labour are now obviously a, a proposing to abolish it, but I think reform, really. Reform, there have been attempts at reform o, over the years. It's one of the things that keeps coming around. I suppose the most famous one recently was in the, in the late 90s. There was a, the House of Lords Act 1999. It reformed the membership and removing the majority of hereditary peers, so hereditary members. So incredibly, before the ninety-nine act, the House of Lords included over six hundred hereditary peers. And these are people that are just by act of birth, you know, they become members of the House of Lords. Their their parents die and they, they become the next they become the next peer, the next lord or baroness that sits within the House of Lords. Incredible. Um and this was um this was during the the, the the last Labour government, so in 1997, uh, uh, Tony Blair proposed this. And he said that he would remove all hereditary, hereditary peers from the Lords. That didn't actually happen in the end. It went from 600, but it went down uh, to 92. So it was called the Weatherall Amendment. It proposed that 92 hereditary members would remain in the House of Lords. And then most of those would be elected by other hereditary members, and then 15, I think 15 would be elected by the whole house, and two con- continuing as royal office holders. It's just classic British fudge. So, although we've, we've removed, Blair was able to remove a huge amount of hereditary peers, we still have them. So, we still have this rather strange um, upper house. A uh, House of Parliament, where you have a lot of life most most people are life peers, so they 're appointed and if if they, if they die, then they will no longer be a member of the House of Lords but we still have this hereditary and uh, this group of hereditary peers as well so um, the brown proposals making it he would make it an elected chamber not sure not sure it might seem a very demo- a, a more democratic thing to do, but then you have the problem of how it relates then to the more powerful House of Commons because it can't have precedence over it. So I think abolish the House of, of Lords, yes, in its current form, but replaced with what? I think the idea actually of a, a group of appointed people with different experiences from different regions, there on limited time, that kind of has some some democratic appeal to me. I don't think an elected chamber probably is, is the way to go. Although I think there's, there's merit in that too. Um, So I think abolish no, I think reform yes, but precisely what that would look like, well I think that's probably another question.